You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. I invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water, Life, Global Warming, which means climate change, and it's been changing since the beginning of the moment of Earth's beginning. And the temperature changes, and it has been changing from the moment it began. Your health is a concern to me, and I'm noticing through my studies and my research through all these many years that the health of your life needs to be taken serious more than we've understood, that when you get up in the morning and you look at the climate and you can look at your life that day and where you've been and where you've been traveling or where you're going to that day, whether you're staying indoors or out, uh, moving around, that you need to consider yourself, what did you eat the day before? What are you going to eat today? How much sleep did you get? And most important, how much water are you drinking to make sure that those 60, 60 trillion cells are nourished, detoxified? Your sanitation, everything about your life and your health. Global warming and green the word green to me means moisture for life is green. You must breathe moisture every day. The air has to give you the moisture you need, but if it doesn't have it, what's going to happen to the detoxification of your skin, your eyes, the moisture replacement for filtering the life of your body, your organism, your eyes and your skin, and all about your life. Remember, there's no two fingerprints alike, no two eyes alike, no two skins on the complexion. So there's obviously something there connected to moisture in the air that we're not getting enough of. We need to understand that the world is needing water. 1.1 billion people in the world do not have access to safe water. 2.6 billion people do not have access to proper sanitation any sanitation. We have 1.8 million children die every year because of the result of water and sanitation not enough. We've got to consider ourselves and think about what we're going to do to partnership about our health and helping other people with health. You can participate with the environmental conditions, with the energy, the pollution, but you think about what you can do for your health and what is best for you. And if you're healthy, and you take that serious, and you learn all the proactiveness that you can learn about how to take better care of yourself, that will become pay it forward for other people to think that way too. Today we have a very exciting guest. I have been very excited and very honored to have Dr. Jens on here with us, Dr. Scott Jens, who's an optometrist with uh, a very exciting background. And I'm going to let him tell you with a concern of our children, our infants and children of the world. And without those children, what would we all do? We couldn't think about the future. I'm gonna, we're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Tears Eye Mist for dry eyes, to moisturize. And then when we're back, we'll be listening and getting to know Dr. Jen. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Well, today with the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water and your health and global warming and climate change means... Uh, your health. Uh, we have Dr. Scott Jens with us today. Are you with us, Dr. Jens? Yes, I am. Hello. How are you? Well, I am fine, and thank you. I was I was so excited to have you on today because in my studies all these years, I've been very concerned about the health education of the, for the eyes for children. 
And it was amazing how many families go home from the hospital and don't really have enough, or maybe they have something, but they're not noticing it. And today the show can really give them a tremendous education. I um, wanted to t- ask you a little bit about, I do this, um, what is your background and how did you get where you're at today? Uh, when did you decide that you wanted to be involved in the life as a vision of the world? Well, uh, when I was a young child growing up in Wisconsin, I was introduced to eye care services because, as many eye doctors um, will, will tell you, they had eye problems growing up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, after having successful treatment for various eye issues with my uh, neighborhood optometrist, mm-hmm. um, I decided to go to the University of Wisconsin and then on to the Illinois College of Optometry in Chicago to get my Doctor of Optometry degree. And I've been in private practice in Wisconsin since uh, for about 17 years. You know, you might mention to our listeners the optometrist profession was the first eye vision profession there ever was. Yes, I mean, the practice of medicine includes an eye um, specialty as well, ophthalmology, and optometry was uh, one of those professions that um, hundreds of years ago evolved out of the grinding of lenses in, um, mm-hmm. in jewelers' pract- uh, locations um, and uh, was worldwide. And optometry in the United States in particular in the last 100 years has been a very health-oriented profession, mm-hmm. providing uh, the known vision care services of prescribing corrective lenses and doing vision training, um, but also evolved into managing eye conditions such as um, glaucoma and eye infections and uh, minor surgical procedures of the front of the eye, mm-hmm. and uh, much dear to your heart, managing the extremely serious problems with dry eye condition in the United States mm-hmm. um, with uh, with a variety of, of, of therapies, and then working in concert with eye surgeons to make sure that the public gets, uh, you know, really beginning of life to end of life eye care services that protect their sight, one of the most valued gifts that anybody can have. Oh, my, you know, uh, I had studied years ago, doctor, that the first medical word professional uh, practice was the eyes. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, when way back in time. Uh, you could have the broken leg, you could have the skin uh, leprosy, you could have all these things, but way back when the first person said, I can't see, what can you do, for, what can I do, I can't see, people wanted to help. Mm-hmm. And the eyes, if you can't see, that is exactly no different, that uh, when you can't see, it's very challenging to live your life normal. Yeah, the health and welfare of our country is predicated, uh, in, certainly in the next 30 years, um, of making sure that we take care of vision problems before they result in blindness. Exactly, and that's why I was brought in with my research years ago, Doctor. Um, the ophthalmology group in Maryland had said, did you know there was going to be a blindness in a generation in the future that could be out of control? We need uh, to be thinking about supplements and uh, concerns of the dry eye and... Um, that was my field, so I, I dove in. I uh, wanted to ask you today, this is a fa- favorite subject, uh, are, young, are babies born? Now, I was looking at some of the literature, and I knew some of it, that uh, between the ages of uh, birth, you're having children born with uh, one out of every 20 children have a problem to the eye. And, and, and if I read this wrong, you try to help us. But what is happening uh, at the birth, and it all makes, I'm, I'm very motherly and grandmotherly uh, and concerning of a life on this earth. I, it almost makes, puts me in tears uh, because the ophthalmology research team in Maryland were right. Is it one out of every 20,000 babies born has a problem with their eyes? Well, there's a number of statistics. One out of 20,000 babies born in this country actually has eye cancer. Um, if you can believe that, um, and that's that's a remarkable wow. number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then one out of every ten is having an eyesight problem. Yeah, by age eighteen in this country, um, children will develop an eye problem that's either health based or visual based. The much more common problems are those problems that are visual based. Fortunately, America's children are not. Uh, 
rampantly unhealthy. These concerns like eye cancer, retinoblastoma, which deserves a mention, um, are very, uh, very emotionally uh, going to tug at your heartstrings because these little children often, to save their lives, have to have an eye removed in order to uh, cure them of the problem. But those success stories are, are all over the place. Um, but as many as one in 30 children has an eye problem where the brain doesn't really talk well to the eye um, because the eye is either crossed to the other one okay. um, or the eye is born with a very unusual prescription. This is what they call the a cross-eye and a lazy eye, or are they both separate? They're somewhat separate. Uh, sometimes the eye that wanders is referred to as a lazy eye, but mm-hmm. eye doctors often use the term lazy eye to refer to this condition medically referred to as amblyopia. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, one out of 30 children in this country are born with risk factors for amblyopia mm-hmm. that uh, don't always show up at the wellness screenings that are done across the United States. Uh, you know, we have family practitioners, pediatricians, nurses mm-hmm. doing this diligent job of uh, assessing young children from baby babies on for these risk factors, but um, we've created a national program, the American Optometric Association, along with the Vision Care Institute of Johnson & Johnson, have created this program called Infant C, S-E-E is how you spell Infant C, and it's, it's an eye doctor assessment um, at no cost and no billing to the insurance, even if the family has it, to try to find those risk factors so the child can have preemptive, preemptive therapy before age five to literally save this blinding condition called amblyopia. You can understand years and years ago, it's been about eight years ago when the group back in Maryland, the research team said, Sharon, we're going to have a future of blindness concerning dry eye and more. And uh, the, the foresight there was obviously some of the statistics they saw coming. You know, I need to tell you also, Doctor, one of the things I found uh, in our environment was the lack of moisture in the air and indoor conditions uh, with forced air, heating and cooling, insulated windows and walls, and the chemistry in your fabrics, your cleansing agents, and bedding, and chairs, and carpets, and more, uh, to me, was the biggest culprit. I mean, a pit. And then when you walk outside, now we're learning that the temperature is changing and, and it's getting warmer, which means there's not enough moisture consistent, which we have to feed on that moisture we don't see outside the body and the baby's being born in a in a, in a delivery room with just what I told you uh, forced air heating and cooling insulated windows and walls and more and and then they begin their life ongoing mm-hmm. um, now what is the let's really give our audience an enormous education of what we need to learn and then we're going to teach them what they need to do when they're a woman when she's pregnant, some things she should be eating and drinking, da da, and then when the baby is born at that second, which what the family should be thinking about it from day one about the eyes. Well, you're certainly right that development of visual capabilities starts uh, with the mother carrying the child, and the uh, mother needs to be well, uh, have good, excellent nutrition. Um, there are uh, plenty of evidences that um, the uh, overuse of alcohol and certainly the use of um, of drugs can impact vision yeah. for a lifetime. Um, we strongly encourage mothers who are smokers during their pregnancy to keep in mind that their baby's eyes are one of the key uh, um, organs that are ab- can be abnormally developed based upon poor nutrition and smoking in pregnancy, mm-hmm. and uh, we we strongly encourage these mothers to um, to even if it's for a short while during their pregnancy, stop those things. But after a child's born, those those things e- have equal effect on a visual development. Mm-hmm. Um, vision is poorly developed in children who do not have good nutrition from mm-hmm. early ages on. Um, there's plenty of information that shows that um, that you need good nourishment from mother's milk and you need all those um, those proper characteristics of good air quality um, and a clean environment for a baby's eyes to develop normally. So I'm supportive of your your position in that. And uh, and then it's real important that parents understand that in the first three to nine months of life, vision does not um, develop automatically. That they can be involved in their infant's visual development by encouraging the child to be put in positions with their toys and with the objects in their crib that are um, in the near range. Babies only see to about a foot away in the first three months of life. Hey, okay, I'll interrupt once in a while for sure. that one, any something, and I hope you give me that chance. Sure. Um, uh, now, you, there's something. Uh, when the baby is born, and let's say the baby goes home, 
and you begin to do things with the baby, whether you're looking at them and laughing with them, smiling with them, you try to make sure they see you, that you're looking at you, and you're, what you're doing with clapping your hands or whatever you're doing. And then when you lay them down or wherever they're at, they should be looking how? How should they be looking? They should be no more than one foot away from the objects in their world for them to be visually stimulated. Okay. Yep. Now, if they're not one foot, the curiosity I have, are they kind of looking at you almost a blur, or are they just not noticing? No, you're, you're quite a blur in the first three months of life, but okay. from three to six months of life, the brain starts to connect to the vision, becomes incredibly stimulated, and that stimulation results in a clarity. It's sort of like the old televisions that needed to be warmed up and then sort of tuned in, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just old enough to remember those days where that television would be sort of a hazy color at first. That's, that's the first three months of a child's life. They're, they're seeing outlines of a parent's face. So the first three months? They're kind of looking at things kind of like a bliss. In other yep. words, it's trying to get a focus. I'm trying to see what this is. Um, That's you know, right. But by you 8 just to 12 weeks something. of age, they see depth perception. You just said something. I've had Dr. Marguerite McDonald on. Oh, yeah. Very, and, very knowledgeable. Uh, yeah, Marguerite's a friend. And um, Marguerite's background is a very extraordinary in refractive eye surgery more. And she said that your eyes can affect your brain. And, you know, I'm glad she did that because I've said, too, forever, in my studies, that the eyes can affect your brain because when the eyelid is open, doctor, that eye is not covered by nothing. That's right. When if it's like if I took your chest and I said, oh, let's take a little breather here and let's cut it open a little bit and let's make a door and you're walking around and you're going to close your door later called a blink, but what if the air, if there's no moisture in the air to keep that heart moving and all that? In other words, the eyes are the vision, the mirror of your life and to your brain. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the, the brain, people don't realize that the brain's uh, most distant extension reaches into the back of the eye and plugs in. It's called the optic nerve. And the eye is actually, um, before birth, developed primarily the eye uh, structure is the extension of brain tissue. And in there in their mother's womb where all that water is surrounding them right. to give them that insulation and give them the, uh, the water of life, life and water. And then once you hit leave and you hit that air called life outside of that spot, you're entering in an unknown. You don't know how much the vacuum will be at the moment. In other words, you're sucking, the moisture is leaving you and that's why no two fingerprints, no two eyes alike and no skins on the complexion alike. That is something, doctor, that a lot of people should, I'm very blunt, I'm I'm not as smart as people would think I'm more common sense about education to life, and I wouldn't care if I was speaking to the most genius world. We need to be common sense that if the eyes are that important to the whole life of your body, please take it serious from the moment you're born and for the rest of your life because it might have a lot to do with your own health, and that could be an ecosystem of itself and a partnership to life call green now, doctor, because what is green? Yes, we're going to be concerned about energy and pollution and, and recycling and more and more and more. But what about you being healthy, the, all of us being a healthier person, that will be a pay it forward to generations because we were willing to learn more about how to be healthy and live here. That's right. We, for generations. We- we developed a program through the American Optometric Association that gets to right to the core of that apple. It's called Healthy Eyes, Healthy People. And there's nothing we believe in more than visual welfare and how it relates to, to a good life. And, and one of the things that um, we find with infants as they develop in their vision is that it's one of the few things that they really have to learn that people think is hardwired. I mean, they learn how to walk and they learn how to speak, but when you come out of the womb, you can hear. Um, your hearing can be tested two days after you're born, and it can, it can be predicted as to how you will do. But people see these beautiful eyes born in an infant. They're 75% of an adult size. Um, they're, they're quite large, but they have really no good vision to the brain, and they require nurturing, and, and uh, they require good care. They require um, testing occasionally by an optometrist or ophthalmologist in addition to the basic screenings. So if something isn't just right that can cause this one in 30 amblyopia, that Mm. is essentially blindness, 
that it is then taken care of by the optometrist or ophthalmologist before it's permanent because it impacts the adult quality of life yeah. and even your, your life as a senior if you don't have good vision that comes from your childhood. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and then when we come back, let's think about that subject of uh, when they become, uh, now we've got them coming through an empathy and we'll think about the toddler and then going on to the, uh, the aging. Uh, we're going to take a moment from our spot with our sponsor and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. We're talking to Dr. Jens today, and the excitement of this conversation with him and education that is so serious for all of us we all have eyes, and without the eyes, you have a hard to differ, very difficult time for your health. Number one, you've had difficulty with op, uh, no education enough, and then we need to start reaching out and being proactive about our eyes and taking better care of them, and realizing from birth, if it hasn't happened yet, there's, I will honestly say I will not believe it's too late. Um, one out of every 20 infants could be born with a, a problem with their eyes. And the optometric, optometric excuse me, association has said infancy, I-N-F-A-N-T-S-E-E programs are very important, and I guess they're working with Johnson & Johnson Company on better education. Dr. Jens, when we left uh, to listen to our sponsor, we were talking about the concerns of uh, here we have a baby whose people didn't realize how serious the eyes are. They're, they're making sure that they're learning how to change the diaper. They're learning how to give them their milk. Uh, they're giving them food, trying to figure out what to do. But they never had thought about the eyes as serious as affecting the brain and the rest of your health. I want to bring up something, and I want you to think about it, and I don't want to put you on the spot, and we'll move into uh, older children and our adults. The concerns of nutrition are now coming forward. Dark green vegetables, uh, lots of water, not mixed up water, no sugar water, water, and a lot of it. And uh, then the concerns of the baby's stress around it. Is it possible that when we haven't studied enough, that when the baby has opened its eyes and is trying to understand its life around it, uh, that the sense, there's a sensory in the eye, like a lens, a, a vision, a sensory, um, something there that tells us something. We might be hearing through the eyes somewhat uh, about our life around us and what could be concerning stress and how we make up our mind from the beginning. Has there ever been any study uh, with that sensory of the eye at all? Well, there, there are some studies that show that children who don't develop their vision normal based upon um, exposing their eyes to this, you know, somewhat caustic world we live in um, can end up resulting in um, poor school performance, um, troubles with truancy, and unfortunately there's a significant number of people that are um, in our jails and prisons around this country who never got early intervention eye care mm -hmm. to take care of uh, things that um, their, their brain never really paid attention to. Children are, are smart little beings, but they don't know and they don't see well. They can't send that message. 
and uh, and so poor vision and the result of, of poor vision is studied in this country. Thank you. And that's why there's an effort to yeah. to try to get those folks the corrected sight that they they deserve. Because you know we're now learning more about the word dry eye, which years and years ago it was there, but no one really wanted said much because there wasn't anything to really anything to use to supplement. And so the concerns were, what are we going to do when the eyes are that dry? What are we going to do to supplement uh, and more? And dry eye, let's say the baby is born, and for some reason that baby at the moment has, starts having a drier eye. And the blurring and the, the psychic side of our that, that person wanting to see uh, and to, to hear through the seeing. Have you ever noticed yourself, you really like to see what you're hearing? That's right. And you just answered it. And I have a, you know, life on this earth is so absolutely the most magnificent miracle. And each person is that miracle under the power of the faith of what you believe. I believe in God. But here again, it's what we each respect to believe. And that person that is seeing was wanting to hear. And now we're saying that these children are being born with the... Uh, uh, obvious uh, statistics way back in time that they were going to have more children with eyesight problems. And the show today to educate is so important. Now, uh, going forward uh, on some more, when they reach the school age, what are some of the symptoms that they haven't caught it yet? Um, if, the, if the child is, uh, you know, covering an eye while reading, if the child is missing place routinely with reading, things that our occupational therapists find in schools, those are often tip-offs to, to abnormal sight and, and future troubles. And, you know, again, dear to your heart, uh, there's increased learning on the computers in this country, and a computer is not exactly a normal work distance for the human engineering. Human engineering is to read something uh, that's within bent-arm distance. So think back to the hieroglyphics on the, the walls of, of caves and, and uh, pyramids in, in all different parts of the world. That was work done by hand, close. Computers are at a, at a distance. So um, children often have avoidance to learning at the computer. They don't blink enough at the computer. They get dry eyes at the computer. And so then they stop working on this uh, activity, and, and thus they get behind in school. So if you, if you see a child avoiding work, it can be due to poor eyesight. It can be due to you learning at, at at an unusual distance, like at a computer distance, and it's imperative that an optometrist or ophthalmologist help the child figure out which of the issues may be at play so um, they don't, aren't just poo-pooed as um, being the kid who just needs extra work and extra tutoring. Um, they need good eyesight to do those things, and then that would be how I'd answer your question. Now, uh, do you believe that when a child gets to school and they're maybe a little more irritable or more depression or some anxiety or uh, certain lazy, it looks, it looks almost like they're lazy, that maybe the first thing they should do is check their eyes? Oh, you know, there are, there are case reports about that um, throughout the eye care literature. Children who are seen withdrawn from their environment, even before school, typically don't see well. In fact, I'll tell you quickly an anecdote. There's a young girl in Alabama whose parents were um, having um, the, the primary doctors start to work her up for spinal taps and uh, MRIs for uh, some sort of spinal abnormality because she wasn't extending her legs to the floor. She was six months of age, and no one thought of vision first. Oh. And she was caught by one of our infant C assessments at the University of Alabama, Birmingham School of Optometry, and lo and behold, she was an extremely far-sighted child whose dad had glasses at 18 months of age. And fortunately, she, she missed being um, put into all these unusual interventions and, and, and extremely costly healthcare services, mm. and uh, she was one of the rare cases where an infant got glasses at that age. That's not very common, of course. <laughs> and this child immediately reached out to her mother's face. She started touching um, patterns in the carpet as she la laid on the mm -hmm. floor. Mm -hmm. and, and so, yes, I, I encourage parents to think about withdrawn children at a school age and even infants who aren't necessarily behaving normally mm -hmm. to, uh, to get an infancy assessment from an optometrist or go to one of the ophthalmology clinics that's in your area and, and get the eyes evaluated because the eyes are a direct link to your psyche. And then when they get to school, which is so important to the world, that our school, children go to school, they get a good education, that they 
are ambitiously wanting to be learning, hungry to learn, but the eyes are the most important part of that learning process. You know, you mentioned something about the prisons, and I'm gonna, the first thing I go to is the 60 trillion cells that are being so severely dehydrated because of what? No two fingerprints alike, no two skins alike on the face, and no two eyes. So we don't know which person's dehydrating yet, and you know, compared to everybody else. But the eyes being such an important part from empathy through their toddler, through the school age, to try to catch it as soon as humanly possible, that this person's anxiety, anger, road rage, whatever you want to call it, may be something that their eyes are just so, they're exhausted. Have you ever had that heavy weight behind the eyes that you thought, well, I'm just tired? Sure. Maybe I mean, we get lots of patients it. complain of that, sure. Exactly. Maybe some people have it all day. Right. And they're trying to, and you've, you've heard of narcolepsy? Sure. Yeah. Maybe some people don't know they even have a serious situation of something so heavy that they're almost walking around with this anxiety, and then all of a sudden by the time they reach some uh, older ages of late teens and 20s and so on, that that they're so uh, anxiety plus because maybe something in the eyes needs to be dealt with before they start looking at all of the other symptoms. Well, and you talked about nutrition as well. I think that um, one of the things we know about good vision is that um, a child has to be focused in order to learn through their eyes, and 90% of learning is visual. The American Optometric Association has specific guidelines about how children's eyes should be examined and how things should be done to monitor for glasses or vision training or contact lenses, but those things are just one type of treatment. Children who are well-rested, sleep experts uh, that are associated with Johnson & Johnson tell us that too many children don't get enough sleep, and, and diet matters. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about antioxidants in a, in a life of a senior citizen who's got macular degeneration. It just becomes you, so common. That's right. And, and so when, when we try to get more vitamin A, more zinc, more, more um, good, healthy nutrients in our children, not only will they learn better, but their, their eyes will be healthier for a lifetime. And drinking a lot of water. Sure thing. Now, that's dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm boring. I keep saying drink water. Everybody gets bored. <laughs> well, you're, you know, you're, you have a core interest in making sure that people stay well, and I, I'm so thrilled you've, you've given the opportunity to, to people to understand better about how eyes are related to their core values. Next to, to death and cancer, the thing that people would want to happen to themselves or their loved ones least is lose their eyesight. I think, yeah, and we want them to start looking at their eyes to be their, their total well-being. That's right. If you're taking care of your health, your eyes will be healthier. And uh, now when the child is, let's say they're off in school and they're sitting at the computer and they still haven't decided what is the anxiety, what is the attention deficit, what is all these problems that are some of these symptoms, uh, to sit at the computer, Dr. Robert Lincaney, do you know Dr. Lincaney? I'm sorry, I don't. He's in New York, and he's a dry eye specialist. That's all he does all day long as an ophthalmologist. He has the book, The Dry Eye Remedy, out, and he, he sits there every day, practices medicine all every day. It was written up in the Wall Street Journal as a dry eye specialist. He doesn't want to do anything else. He's so worried about dry eye. He said that when you sit at a computer, your chair should be higher where your eyelid comes down over the eye a little bit, like a cap. And you're looking down at the computer, not across. That's right. They, they used to say that your eyes should be directly at the top of the monitor, so you look down and hold your lid down a bit. Yeah. These really large screens, some people have a hard time with their glasses doing that, mm-hmm. but we also encourage significant blinking at the computer. Exactly. Um, that's just very important. And then taking a break. That's right. And that's something your people, if they're going to put the little ones on the computer playing, even if it's a game. Yeah, uh, tell us about what your thinking is on a game. Let's say they're playing a game about three or four years old, and they're concentrating with the same identical skill as you would sitting on a computer. But the game is making, uh, creating you to be mobile, uh, and, and your eyes are concentrating. Your brain is involved, and your arm and your hand and your body is sitting there very tense. What is? What do you think about all that? Well, visually, that's a very demanding thing for a young child's eyes. And so we recommend something called the 20-20-20 rule. That means that for every 20 minutes of gaming, that a child take at least 20 seconds 
and look at least 20 feet away for, for that duration of time. And that will relieve some of the focus stress on the eyes. So we, we refer to the 20-20-20 rule. And, of course, you now that you've talked to me a little bit, you know that we're believers in a healthy body and healthy vision. And so we do recommend that parents keep gaming to a minimum because it's, it's, um, it's a concern in this country that diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes, is rampant in children. And, uh, you know, some of it's our association with gaming. So I encourage families to, to limit gaming to an hour and use the eyes as the reason. If you've used the eyes for an hour that long, you've taken two 20-minute breaks, two breaks after 20 minutes each, um, then take a break from it and go out and run around the backyard. And then, you know, you can tell if the, if the anxiety is there and the irritable is there. You can almost detect if the child is getting, oh, so intense, I can't lose this, I can't let go. There could be an unhealthy new uh, symptom there. Sure. They need, there's something going on that's not healthy, and then maybe the eyes are so exhausted affecting the brain that the anxiety comes on and they need to take that moment of space time out. Yeah, isn't it interesting? We talk about how in the first three to six months of life, how important it is that a parent stimulates their child's vision to see well and that they make sure the eye isn't sort of wandering in a way they might not see it or that their vision's right with our program like infancy. Um, and then on the other hand, when they get to be three or four or six or ten, how we want them to sort of minimize that overstimulus because there's so many things that can have be repercussions of it. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I just think it's imperative that people keep in mind that their eyesight is a real connection to the pet child's wellness, and uh, and I hope I've described that that stimulation that they do for their infants well enough because it's critical if they put things within reach of their children, let them see well when they're little, and stimulate it then, but also do something to you know be somewhat limiting of it and being overstimulating and over demanding of their vision um, after they get to the point where they can game uh, at at age three. I will add one more thing, and that is that reading is not bad for eyes. Uh, I'd love for children to read. It stimulates their brain and their knowledge base much more than gaming. And, uh, and again, take the same 20-20-20 rule, though, with long reading. Now, are you saying reading in a book, not on the computer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> you know how people think today, everything's being read on the computer. Yeah, it's much more difficult to read on the computer. It's not ah. the normal distance, Sam. Yeah. Now, but we only have a moment left, and I'd like you to close with how, what, the message you'd like to leave with everyone. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for letting me have some time to explain the wellness of eyes to your audience. I would like to, to add the uh, the website for our Infant Eye Program. Yeah. Um, it's infantc.org, and that's infantsee.org. Uh, we have over 8,000 doctors providing this service for America's infants at no cost. Mm-hmm. Um, the American Optometric Association members that do this do it as part of their community's wellness ideology, and the program was spurred forward by former President Jimmy Carter, who had two of his 11 grandchildren develop this eyeball brain issue called amblyopia that wasn't mm-hmm. detected till they needed patching wow. at an older age, grade school age. And, and we can, as optometrists and ophthalmologists, be ahead of this curve with early intervention that sort of supports um, the base screenings that pediatricians and family doctors are doing. So I encourage your, your um, listeners to take advantage of infancy, and I encourage them to take uh, your advice and good living. I, I applaud you for being a wellness-oriented individual. Well, drink a lot of water, and, you know, we don't want to become the next planet without lots of water and good, fresh moisture in the air. Uh, the one thing I want to leave everyone with, too, is what you said. Uh, Dr. Jens has taught us that one out of every 20 children, is it 20,000 children, one out of every 20,000 children is being born with a cancer in the eye. Before you go, how do they live, or do, do, is there any statistics how many might not make it? Oh, no. Um, fortunately, quite a number do make it because of, of expert ophthalmologists and, and oh. cancer specialists, but we do actually have a, a program story. Uh, there's a little baby in Arizona by the name of Grace who was found on her infancy assessment before any other health professional found it to have this tumor, and she had her eye removed so early in the process that the cancer hadn't spread, and the baby still to this day lives. In fact, on Monday last week, she had a little brother named Gavin born, and and I just want to tell you that this program won't find every eye cancer that's that's out there, but it's another way of protecting your children away from serious problems. The only way you would find it is somebody hadn't detected it in time. That's right. Well, thank you for your commitment, your mission, and tell everyone we said hello. And by the way, 
My father was born in Lady Swift, made Lady Smith, Wisconsin. That's great. So my heart is with all of you in Wisconsin too. Thank you for the time. Okay, you have a nice day. All right, bye now. Thank you. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we're going to have Art Bernstein with us here in a minute, and we're going to discuss the waters and the concerns that people have been taking for granted on this earth, that water and fresh water in the air are so important, and we're just going to have a little chit-chat to bring that to your attention a little even even more today. Uh, We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist for Dry Eyes. We'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Today we've had a very exciting uh, Sharon Kleiner hour. Uh, The power of water global warming, climate change, which means the temperature changing, air is getting drier. And remember with dry air, your eyes are not getting the moisture that is required. They have to have 100% moisture supplement. No chemicals, no preservatives, 100% moisture from the air. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is also applied to children, infants, as a fine mist not just to older people, uh, it's for all ages, to supplement the eyes for the moisture that's lost. So remember, nature's tears, I missed as a supplement because of the dry air. Today, Art, are you with us? I am indeed. I wanted to tell you before we start in our, in our, our uh, subject, the water, I was not paid to do this, but Saks Fifth Avenue in New York decided they were going to have on their catalog, this Mother's Day catalog that came out on May 11th, called Make a Splash. And Art, they're talking about water. And it starts out called Water, Charity Water. And it says here, um, for Mother's Day concerns, for many mothers around the world, the most priceless gift is the simplest, clean water. Millions of women and children walk up to three miles every day carrying 40 pounds of contaminated water art back to their families. Unsafe water and lack of basic sanitation cause 80% of the children to be sick on this planet and kill art 2.2 million people a year because of that. And today, 4,500 children will die of water-related diseases. It says here, these numbers only scratch the surface of an enormous problem, one that we all can have an impact on if we're willing to think about it. And Saks Avenue, I want to thank you. Uh, we talk about fashion consciousness, pay forward. Uh, you're to be congratulated. And you Absolutely. can go to listeners, Saks.com or Saks, uh, go to 800-871-SAX. Pardon me, S-A-K-S, Saks, to learn more about charity water, and they have a charity bracelet and what to think about. And I couldn't resist that because this is special to me, Art. Um, People are really getting to where they're all uh, getting to where we're all concerned about each other and the earth lasting forever, forever for everyone. Um, You and I are going to discuss that chit-chat today about water. I was water. very struck a few weeks ago when you had those water aid people on, and they were saying just about the same thing as the sex ad was. Yes, exactly. In fact, And um, my thought was, A, how lucky we are in the U.S. to have uh, reliable water. I guess we're in an extreme minority. Uh, they don't have it in India. They don't have it in a lot of supposedly developed countries. And the other thing is that it can go away very fast. Well, 
we're finding that out in the United States that when you have a cause that says you cannot reserve the water, let it flow to the deepest location called the ocean or the sea, or the lowest. All of a sudden, they're finding out if you don't build reservoirs to to back up the water, there will be a severe problem on Earth, and and we all need to probably think about the fact that on. Even in the United States, uh, we could have sand begin to grow. It's like in China. They're having their desert grow where it's coming up a mile a year. year. Yes. And uh, because it's so dry. And uh, anywhere in the world, you could have, the, like the Middle East, so dry. Why do they worry? They're not worried about fuel. They're worried about the future of their existence called water. And we here in this country, in Canada have a tremendous amount of fortune so far of water, but we want to think about the thousands and millions of years to come forward about a partnership of each of us thinking about how we need to bring water into focus. I know years ago, Art, uh, it's been 30 years since I've been studying too, that when you have a, c- a concern about water, and I found, yes, the formulations and the medications are very important to us. They do slow something down, but the most important ingredient in our lives that we need to keep in our lives every moment of the day is the water, all pure, not anything added to it. And uh, also building huge cities in the desert, um, which makes the problem even worse. Yeah. Now you have a background in anthropology and forestry and more. Uh, what were you learning way back when you were studying? Did you ever bump into the situation of water? Did they ever say this is going to be a crisis, or did they not think that way yet? Well, the populations go up and down. With uh, you know, the, the, uh, Tom Atwood was talking about last week. Last week, um, they'll have a few wet seasons. We might tell him that Dr. Ack uh, is an ec- ecologist. Okay, yeah. he was with us last week. Yeah. Very Populations well. Populations all increase, and then you have uh, some dry seasons, mm-hmm. and everything dies back. And then you have, you know, and you have more fires, and uh, mm-hmm. then you have some more wet seasons, and everything starts to grow again. Yeah, Earth is, you know, we meet. Yeah, there's some evaluation here to think about this theory. I've thought about this many times as a theory, and to evaluate a thought is Earth is giving us everything we need. It's an organism of bouncing back and forth, and it has its little eruptions and its moments and road range and anger and its temperature changes. It always has. It always will. But we as humans on the, for the ecosystem must realize our responsibility uh, has to be as a, a human civilization, a human family on this earth, that we need to learn how to preserve, how to take care of, but don't go extreme. For some reason, we've gotten more extreme about other situations called the politics of the environment, but not the concerns of reservoirs and canals and concerns of moisture in the air and not letting all the water go to the ocean. The ocean's coming higher, and our water is getting lower in the aquifers. Our rivers are getting smaller. Our streams are getting smaller. Our lakes are getting smaller. And what is going to happen when people don't have, in, well, like let's say in one state, and let's just say one state in the whole United States doesn't have any water, they're going to be the state to panic. Now yeah. over in Africa, it's like Moses in the Bible, uh, during the, the during the fat years, you have to prepare for the lean years. Exactly, and we have to prepare for the water to be short, and they need to stop letting it all run to the ocean. Yeah, well, as you well know, um, there's a half-constructed dam near us that they won't let them finish uh, that's been there for 25 years. Yeah, I heard something, and we should have somebody on the show sometime. Yeah, Elk Creek Dam. That uh, they, were, they had to pay $80 million to the contractor to close it down. Right. And uh, left that sitting there vacant. Um, my concern, like over in Georgia... They had not had a reservoir built for 40 years. A reservoir means protection of water during a time there's a shortage. And Earth has a mind of its own. We're living with it. It's not going to live with us. But it does offer us lots of choices. But without the water, you have no sanitation and no healthy bodies. You're living in a body drought. 
and it's like you and I just wrote recently, the body drought of this world is the, the human family, the civilization must be drinking lots of water, must have good sanitation, water for the sanitation. And it's like the people at Water Aid said too, and uh, under the UNICEF and the United Nations said, the over in countries of the world, which is what Saks Fifth Avenue is talking with their promotion and their Mother's Day thinking, is the mothers of the world want their babies to be healthy, their children to be healthy. They want them to go to school, but they probably don't get to go to school, Art, because they're helping to make sure there's water at the home just to survive. Yeah, I keep thinking about the, I was reading about the Bedouins in the, in the Sinai, uh, who drink much less water than we do. But, you know, there's only like one person per hundred square miles. And they know where all the wells are and where all the drinking water is and every place that you can get water. And it's a fascinating way to be in tune with the environment. <laughs> um, well, I've been studying nature for over 30 years. We tend and, to overuse water. And I have, like I've said, I've climbed the mountains with my father, who, uh, um, Bud Cowan, my brother, Ron Cowan, and we just would climb those mountains. And I swung the grapevines, and I swam the rapids. I remember when my father would say, oh, my gosh, here comes a rapid. You better get out. And I said, I'll go around it. And we, my father, they were fly fishermen, and we were always concerned, loved the environment, and never took it for granted. How lucky was I? And uh, like you grew up in the in the city, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and you didn't have probably. Did you? Where did you go to get your nature? Because you ended up with a master's degree in forestry and anthropology. <laughs> so where did you get your love for nature? Oh, let's see, Palmer Park, Kensington Beach. Uh, there, there was a little nature center at Kensington uh, Metro Park, mm-hmm. about 10 miles outside of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And you write the Art Bernstein hiking books that are well-known. Yeah. And look what you did. You left Detroit, and you decided to climb the mountains of the world <laughs> and hike. Yeah, well, I went to the University of Michigan. There's some beautiful areas in Michigan, though. Mm-hmm. They have a camp in the Upper Peninsula. Well, we'll leave our listeners here uh, with this one, too, Art. Without the water, there's no life. Right. Water is vital, and I'm so proud that we're in our radio show is exploring the life in water for what can save lives on Earth and this Earth. I thank everyone for being on here and yourself. And something I ran into, did you know about the pets in water in our environment? Don't forget, listeners, your pets need to have the water bowl full all the time, all the time. And remember, over in Africa, their pets don't have the water either that they endure. And here in America, we love our pets. And uh, But again, Art, I want to thank you for joining us. Oh. And uh, I thought it was a good subject today to discuss. And would you like to leave the listeners with something from you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, you, you said it all today. Okay, you have a nice day. Okay, bye. Thank you. Well, Art said he said it all, and uh, he believes that uh, with all of his master's degree and his hiking books he writes, that without the water to hike with and the water to see the moisture in the trees means green, uh, you must be green. You must think about paying forward, taking better care of your health, learn what to eat, those dark green vegetables, Drink at least 10 glasses of water a day with nothing in it. doesn't mean you don't have anything in it. It has to be without anything in it. No sugar, no tea. Just plain 10 glasses of water a day within a 24-hour period. I want you to know how important this is, and I want to thank all of our special guests every week. We're up to a year and a half now. Do we have a mission together as a partnership, all of us? You bet your life we do. It's your life. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every special moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Have a nice day.